Thank you, Bob. No. Perfect. <clears throat> uh, good evening. <laughs> if you will turn to John 16. Sorrow or labor prevail. Turn to joy. A handful of faithful men's preached from this passage, from this verse, and about everybody's titled to the same. <laughs> That's a pretty common experience, isn't it? It's the same thing. John 16, several people had reached out <clears throat> about both messages Sunday, and I'm thankful for that, and I hope you're thankful for that too, from around this country. Uh, us preaching the gospel is blessing God's people, and I hope that makes your labor's a little easier. I was just thinking about sorrows. We're going to look at that for a minute. The Lord said you're going to have some sorrows, and I'm going to turn them into joy. And I thought of that, that time when the Lord come to his people. There was 11 of them there, and one was, it was 12 total. 11 of them was his, one was the devil. And he, he took bread, and he sat down with the 12, and he ate with them, and he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you is going to betray me. What if he said that here? What if he came to me and said, Kevin, one of, one of somebody in this room is going to betray me. I'm going to before the sun goes down. And you're lying to yourself if you think you ain't. <laughs> and, and they went around the room and they said, they were, it says they were exceedingly sorrowful. He said, you're going to be sorrowful. Now I'm going to turn it into joy. They were exceeding sorrowful, and they began, every one of them, to say, Lord, is it I? Why? They knew what they were. You hear me? That was a moment of sorrow, isn't it? That's a moment of sorrow. Believers have sorrow. God said you're going to have sorrow. I made you sorrowful because of what I said. But I'm going to turn it into joy. I'm going to turn it into joy. Judas is the one that betrayed him, and he answered and said, Master, is it I? He said, you just said it. Came out of your mouth. It's so. There's times of sorrow and times of joy. There was a, an old slave trader. Some people call him a heretic. <laughs> he wrote a song called Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. Not a soul like me, not a, a pretty good fellow like me, a wretch. I once was lost and now I'm found. I was blind, now I see. That's a moment of joy, would you agree? You'd agree that? The same man, you know the words. You know what I'm going to quote to you, don't you? Tis a point I long to know. Oft it causes anxious thought. You ever been anxious? You ever had sorrow and downness? Do I love the Lord or no? Am I his or am I not? All right. John 16. Verse 16. A little while, and ye shall not see me. Again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. And then said some of his disciples among themselves, what is this that he saith unto us? A little while and you shall not see me. And again, a little while you shall see me. And because I go to the Father, what is he saying? They said, therefore, what is this he saith? A little while. We cannot tell what he saith. They don't understand what he's saying, do they? Do you understand everything? 
Some people think they do. The apostles did. There's a whole lot more. The more I read, the more I study, the more the Lord reveals to me, the more I realize I don't know much. I know whom. There's a whole lot of things we ain't got to handle on, do we? Now, Jesus, verse 19, knew that they were desirous to ask him. They're just itching at, what do you mean? And they couldn't get the guts up. And he saith unto them, Do ye inquire among yourselves of that I said a little while? And ye shall not see me again in a little while. Ye shall see me. I'm thankful as he says these a little whiles. I hope I remember to tell you this at the end. If, if the Lord tells us, if, if you're going to have pain, and they say it's going to last 30 seconds, and then you'll be fine. You say, all right, just do it. Take the Band-Aid off, right? If you, if you know it's going to be short, it makes it a little more bearable. Isn't it? I'm going to have a birthday coming up soon, 43 years. I know I'm a baby, right? Don't despise my youth like that. And it's going to be that fast. I'm going to be 95 and on a deathbed or however old the Lord is pleased to let me be. And I almost said, well, that was a vapor, wasn't it? That was quick. Bob, how long ago was it when you were 16? That fast? It's quick. Just a little while. A, a believer, a wise believer of old said it ain't going to be as long as it has been. We're on a downhill pool. You'll be all right. A little while. Imagine God speaking that in your heart. A little while. Just a little bit. You'll be all right. He said, they wanted to ask it. What do you mean by this? Verse 20, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world's going to rejoice. What's coming up? This hour, he keeps talking about this hour. My hour's not yet come. And he said, Lord, Father, now's the hour come. He said, the world's going to rejoice. I think they won. You're going to weep and lament. And ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. You're about to go through something immensely painful. And and when the Lord says you're about to be real sorrowful, I don't think you're going to go. It's not been my experience or the experience of believers to go, well, I kind of feel a little down about that. Uh, you're going to be crushed. You're going to be crushed. Peter stood up and he said, I'll, I'll die with you. And then what happened? What about good faithful Peter, huh? A 13-year-old girl made him cower. You think he's professing his love to the Lord when he's like, you know what, I love the Lord. But no, honey, I don't know him. What's wrong with you? And cussed a little teenager. And then he locked eyes with the Lord. And he wept. He was crushed by sin, wasn't he? Sorrowful. But that sorrow you're going to have, you shall be sorrowful. But your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Now, if they didn't realize he's going to the Father, they ain't going to see him, and he's coming back, and we're going to see him, and you've got a handle on that? So he gives them an illustration. He gives them a, a parable, so as some would word it, some translations. Gives them an illustration, verse 21. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. My hour is coming. That's what he's looking for, isn't it? He said, just like the same way, a woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she has delivered the child, she remembereth no more the anguish. For because... For joy that a man is born into the world. That's why. We'll be turning here in a second. But why Why do women have, why does it hurt when you have babies? Sin. That's it. That's it. 
when that hours come, sometimes 37 hours, uh, sometimes in the middle of the night, sometimes in the middle of the day. When that hours come, or hours, there's travail because of sin. And when that is put away, life is there, it's joy. It had to happen. You can't keep it from happening. That baby's coming out one way or the other, isn't it? If there's going to be life, it's coming out. Pain's going to happen. And then when it's over, there's joy. There's joy. The Lord bore our grief and our sorrow and our pain and our sin and us. Every tear he kept in a bottle and he bore it on that cross and he died. For a wretch, you're looking at him. But some people have a real hard time finding out their pastor's a sinner. Do you know that? They'll go through a series of name calling. It ends up antinomian once you really get to know him. You say, well, you ain't got no laws on you at all. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. And God came in this world to save sinners. I'm chief of them. That's good news, isn't it? Good news if you're a sinner. He, he hung on that cross, and when, when that sin was put away, that cause of the travail, life's there and joys come. There's no, I'm going to the end of my notes first. You just get all the good stuff up front. There, there's no stillborns from that travail on the cross. He didn't try real hard, and well, I just, that one ain't going to make it. I will not lose one, he said. I will not lose one. These apostles are already troubled. They, they, they don't understand what the Lord's saying. We get it, don't we? We know exactly what he's saying. He's like, I'm going away, and I'm going to come back. You'll see me as I'm walking, and then I'm going to go to the Lord, and then I'm coming back again <laughs> for everybody, right? We understand that, but their whole spiritual life, when the Lord looked at them and said, follow me, that's the same thing as saying live, right? Follow me. From that point until right now, their entire spiritual life, they've had the Lord physically in their presence. And he says, I'm not going to be with you. And they, we can't imagine a, a life that, without you. That's all we know. Off the other side of the coin, us. We, we, since the Lord gave you life, you, you haven't physically, the human body of the Lord Jesus Christ, be with you that whole time. He's with us always. But there's going to come a day when I'm going to stand there and see him face to face. And he's going to speak and I'm going to hear him. And I'm going to worship him and be in his presence. He's, we're going to sit down and eat and he's going to serve us. Can you imagine that? He served them. He washed their feet. They understood that and as far as the physical, what that looks like. We can't, we can't enter into those things. We can't enter into it, can we? It caused confusion. It caused sorrow for them because he said, I'm going away. Now, it don't cause sorrow for us to say we're going to be with him in glory and be made like him, conformed to his image, holy and unblameable, unreprovable, and there'll never be any more sorrow. I, I, I believe that, but that causes confusion because my brain can't enter into it. It's so, I believe it. We have a hard time understanding it, don't we? Peter said, Whom having not seen ye love, whom now you see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy. And he, and he gives the, the magnitude of that joy. He says, unspeakable. Peter called it unspeakable joy and full of glory. I hope I can, I'm going to try to speak about it. <laughs> it's an unspeakable joy. It, it, 
amazing grace. But we have to tell somebody, don't we? I hope it I hope he'll let me. The context of what we're looking at here in John 16. Remember, this is all the same night. The Lord's speaking to his 11 that he's going to send out in the world. And he's bore the brunt of everything up to this point, And he said, now it's your turn. He's, he's speaking concerning preaching. You're going to go out. I'm going to leave. This is what I'm going to do. But now you're going to be left and you're going to be here to preach. And you're going to have some sorrow while you're doing that. But I'll turn it into joy. He says there in verse 2. He said, they shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, and the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. I could go down a list of faithful preachers in our generation right now that there's people lined up said, if we could just get them out of that pulpit, we'd be doing God a favor. If it was legal, we'd kill them. That's sorrowful. Isn't it? It's not a surprise. The Lord told us it's going to happen, but there's sorrow involved, isn't it? This is all the same night. And just like a father does to his children, my dad did that. He, uh, I think the Lord laid on his heart he wouldn't. He was going home soon, and he tried to tell me everything he could before he left. I turned eighteen, and he was like, "I got to teach you how to mix gas to put in weed eaters." I said, "Dad, I've been mixing gas, putting weed eaters for fifteen years. I was four years old. I know how to do it." He said, "Just hush and listen." Our Lord's with His people, and he, He's He's given them a lot of instruction. And He says that you ain't going to understand it now. It's going to sink in later, isn't it? He says in verse 4, he said, But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. There's going to come a time. You don't understand right now, but just wait. Wait, and the Lord's going to reveal it to you. He's going to teach his people. Isn't he? We always think we're going to be the ones that's going to teach them. He has to. Isn't he? He's going to carry it out. There in verse 6, he says, because I've said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Sorrow has. But remember, he gives that illustration of a woman in travail. If you will, look back at Genesis 3. Look here in Genesis chapter 3. Here's the first mention of these travails that are going to take place. This is Genesis 3 verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard the, thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. That ain't his wife, is it? He didn't say, My darling beloved. He said, That woman, and you gave her to me. Oh. And Lord God said unto the woman, What is this thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, not did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That's the hour our Lord's getting ready to come to, isn't it? Back in our text. But he says unto the woman, verse 16, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall have rule over thee. We know that Paul wrote to us, there in the church of Ephesus, there in Ephesians 5. And he says, Wives, submit unto your own 
husbands. Did he say submit to every husband you can find on the internet? He said submit to your own husbands, didn't he? And then he says later on, there in verse 32, he says, this is a great mystery. His husband loves you wives. His Christ loves the church. He said, all this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and his church. I speak concerning Christ and his church. What was he telling those apostles? He's talking to them about preaching, wasn't he? He said, they're going to kick you out of the synagogues. And you're going to have sorrow. You're going to be sorrowful because I'm gone. And now you've got to <laughs> get there and preach by yourselves. But I'm going to turn that into joy. You're going to go out and labor and travail, and life's going to come of it, and you're going to be happy about it. That's why he's telling these, these apostles. We sorrow because of sin when life's formed in us, don't we? I mean, still we, hey, we got caught before the Lord works in somebody. Uh, we ought not do bad things. Everybody knows that, right? But whenever life's put in us, when life's formed in us, then we know what sin is. That's what he just said earlier. We looked at it last week because it's we didn't believe him. It's concerning him. This ain't we broke some rules written out on a piece of paper. We sinned against a holy God, and that new life knows that. And there's sorrow there, isn't it? Oh, Robert Hawker got it right concerning Rachel when he said <clears throat> she said, "If it be so, why am I thus? If if there is life in me, why is there a war going on?" She asked other people. Are you having this same thing going on? And there wasn't a set of twins ever recorded being on this earth, was it? And the Lord said, I'll tell you why. There's two nations in you. Just like there's two nations in John Newton, and just like there's two nations inside of every child of God in this generation right now. <laughs> Warring, isn't it? It's sorrowful, isn't it? Turn over to Genesis 21. That's only one-third. The Lord also told us there in, in John that the Holy Spirit's going to come. The Comforter's going to come. And he's going to convict the world of sin. Now, that's sorrowful. That's only one-third of what his job is, isn't it? What he declared in that section. He's going to convince the world of sin because they believe not on me. And he's going to con convict the world of judgment and of righteousness. It, I got him out of order, but you know what I mean. There's joyous things. He's the one that's righteous. I can't be. He is. He, he was righteous for his people. We're made him. <laughs> and judgment, well, what if I mess this up? It's settled. Court case is over. There's no double jeopardy. It can't be. Everything's been done. That's two joyful things, isn't it? Is that sorrow and two joys? That's good, isn't it? Look here in Genesis 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord said unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given Children suck, for I have borne him a son in his old age. Can you believe that? She laughed once before. Remember looking at that? She's outside the tent, and they said, Sarah's going to have a child. She snickered. And he looked at Abraham and said, Why is she laughing? She said, I didn't laugh. Yeah, you did. He doesn't speak to her, did he? Well, she's laughing now. And she said, Who'd, who'd have thought it? <laughs> There's life now. There's joy now, isn't it? Oh, that sorrow. I've I went 89 years of my life, and I haven't had a child. 
and I can't have children. Now I'm way past the time. And then, then she does have life in her. And nine months of, of travail and sorrow and uncomfortableness and all that stuff. And she's of age, isn't she? We always think it's so amazing that Sarah was given strength at her age to conceive. That's amazing. And then she, she carried that child to term all the way. And then guess what? There wasn't no epidurals and nerve blocks and everything else. No laughing gas. This 90-year-old woman gave birth to a child, naturally. The pain and the travail and the sorrow that comes with that. And then, there was joy then, but then she was given the strength to feed that child. She breastfed this child. And then she was given strength to raise the child. Imagine a 92-year-old woman chasing a 2-year-old around and teaching them. Stop that. What you doing? Put that down. No, put that down. She was given all that strength, wasn't she? Made to laugh, made to rejoice. And the Lord made her have sorrow, and then he turned that sorrow into joy. That's a picture of, of what we're doing here. God gave us a command. Go out in all the world, preach the gospel. And we're his church, and through his bride, life's born. We see it happen sometimes, don't we? A child comes in, and the Lord gives life to that, that bride, doesn't it? And then he has to give the strength to conceive that because we can't do it by ourselves. And, and he has to give strength to grow that child because we can't grow them. And he has to give strength for us to, to use kind words to them and not correct them all the time and not beat a little baby to death because we'll beat one to death. And he has to give us strength to remember those things. It's all of him. What he said, I, I heard a man say one time, he goes, I'll never forget the day the Lord saved me. And I said, you might. You might, Lord might take your mind from you. What's his word say? He goes, can a woman forget her sucking child? Can Sarah forget her child? He said, she sure can. He said, but I am not going to forget you. You, you know what I bet old brother Newton read? After he said, do I love the Lord or no? Herein is love. The other John wrote that. I worked on an article for this weekend. Herein is love. Not that we loved him but that God loved us and he sent his son to be propitiation for our sins. That's love. That's love. And when we see that, we decrease and he increases. Or it's a math formula at a theology. I don't, at a seminary or something. I don't know what to tell you. That's dead. Life that he gives decreases. We grow down and he goes up. He has to do that, doesn't he? All this amazing stuff physically that happened to Sarah. How much more amazing is it that we're given spiritual life? Isn't that, isn't that a, talk about the miracle of life. That's amazing. That's amazing grace, isn't it? How does that take place? Well, you're going to have to, to believe him. You're going to have to hear, hear about him, ain't you? And for somebody to talk about him, he's going to have to give them a voice to speak and give you ears to hear. And they're going to have to be sent, isn't it? And then what are they going to do when they show up? Here's what Paul said. My little children, got them children, didn't he? Of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. You get that? He labored. Laboring for a message and laboring to care for people and laboring when to call and comfort and when to leave them alone and get out of the way and don't muddy up the waters when God's working. Because there might be life in them. Maybe, just maybe. 
And, and, if, and if it be so, Lord, why am I thus? And he says, hush, there's two nations in you. <laughs> You'll be all right. Take this thorn from me, Lord. My grace is sufficient. You've got to trust me. That's what he says. That's a, I tell you what, when, when God's taught me that and teaching me that, and I think he'll keep teaching me that. And when he does, we don't, I don't just clap my hands all day long. It's wonderful. There's sorrow. And he turns it into joy. And now what happened when Moses and them come to that water at Mara as bitter? And they said, we can't drink this water. And they took the wood and threw it in the water. They didn't, make, they didn't dump the, turn the dam on and get rid of all the water and then put fresh water in there, did they? He turned that water into sweetness, didn't he? Whenever he went to that wedding at Cana, that first miracle performed, he didn't say dump out all them barrels and put some wine in. He turned that water into wine. And when the Lord works in his people, that sorrow you feel, that emptiness, and Lord, your mercies are clean gone forever, and I'm alone, and, and I, I, where are you? And then he shows his son the sorrow you went through. Oh, it's all joy now, isn't it? It's all joy. And then same thing in Providence. You go through this life, and I, you think, oh, that was, I mean, this trial's so hard, and I'm never going to make it, and the boat's going to sink, and ah. And then what, what's your experience? If you've known the Lord more than six minutes, you look back 15 years and you say, oh, I'm thankful for that. Even those times before the Lord ever revealed himself to him, my entire life leading up to this exact point, he's, he's good. He's right. He's holy and he's just. And I ain't. And he, he come to die for sin. That's joyful. He's on his throne. I'm happy. I'm happy. And us like little tiny children, shut the door, shut the door, shut the door. Give it three seconds, and then we're back to, oh, no, another trial's coming. What am I going to do? And we learn our unfaithfulness when we see how faithful he is. You see that? Well, I, he ain't never. Whenever Peter said, I'm faithful, I ain't never going to leave. And then Peter told that girl that, right? And he looked over, and he said, right there, sets the Lord faithful. That's him. Not me. Not me. That's self-righteousness. Him. Him. He's all. A-double-L. And you know what he did? His father, before time, put me in him. And I, that's unbelievable. And that's a, what words you got? Made one with him. And everything, all that evil that I am, that I'm housed in right now, he was made that. And all the preciousness and the joy and the sweetness that he is, that's what we're made. God the Father looks on us and says, wonderful, perfect. Coming to my presence. Well done. That's, a, that's, a, that's amazing. <laughs> that's unspeakable joy. He reveals that to somebody's heart, isn't it? Give yourself over lock, stock, and barrel to him. He's just, it's all yours, isn't it? We desire to know him more. Oh. Speaking of gaining wisdom, Solomon said, For much wisdom is much grief. He that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. Lord said, you're going to see a lot of joys in this earth, boys, but you're going to have some sorrow. And all the time it turns into sorrow, I'm going to turn it right back into joy again. He's going to prove his word to be true to us. Isn't it? Paul said, I said this is involved the preaching of the gospel and the Lord's church and conceiving children. He told there in Thessalonica, he said, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith your labor, your travail of love. Hmm. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 12 real quick. 
1 Corinthians 12. Paul was writing the church at Corinth, and he was describing the, the body of Christ, his church, both in that, genera- in that location, in that generation, in that time, and throughout time. And he was saying, we're many members, but we're one body. And then if everybody was an eye, that ain't going to do no good. If everybody was a big toe, that ain't, that ain't a body. It's just a bunch of big toes, isn't it? He was explaining that to them. And he says in verse 22, Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Those sorrows, those going through sorrows, those that's going through trouble, those that's going through grief, the one that seems the weakest among you, he said they're necessary. They're necessary. And those members of the body which think to be less honorable, upon these bestow, we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. He says, For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given it more abundant honor to that part which lacked. And there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Those that he comes to us and he gives us personal sorrow and he turns that into joy and he, he works in us. We're going to run to be with those that have, have, have the same father, don't we? We want to run to those in the same shit. And he says in verse 26, And whether one member suffer, they have sorrows. All of the members suffer with it. And if one member be honored, then all members rejoice with it. That's what I... He was warning those apostles, and he said, they're going to kick you out of the synagogues. They're going to run you out of town and excommunicate you and call you a heretic and whisper like Satan into your ear and say, you ain't a child of God. What are you doing? You ain't a preacher. Get out of here. And that the whole body suffers when that happens. If you know somebody to be a true minister, I wrote down a bunch of names. I know several pastors right now. They're run, trying to run them out of town and kill them if they could. That hurts me. That hurts you when you hear about it, doesn't it? Those things are sad because we're one body. And we share one another's sorrows and those trials that we go through. And Paul says it so plainly, it's for all of us. If somebody comes down with cancer and gets ate up, that's for you. And that's for me. And that's for them and their kids or whoever, the whole body. It's for the whole body. And the Lord's going to turn it into joy. He's going to turn it into joy. He said in our text, Verily, verily, I say unto you that you shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. Everybody else have a good time. And ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Why? What makes those sufferings and sorrows so bearable? We see his sufferings, don't we? He bore us. That's what makes it so tolerable. Paul said in Philippians 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. The servant's not above his master, is he? He said that in John 15. He said, they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. Being made conformed to his death. Isaiah was sorrowful. He went to the Lord and he said, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the Lord, arm of the Lord revealed? He said, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, the arm of the Lord. And as a root out of the dry ground, he hath no form will come in us. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty in him that we'll desire of him. He'll be despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. I think I got it rough. 
I, I saw a child of God one day just crying because of their sorrows in this life. And they said, if this hurts that bad, imagine how my Lord felt on a cross when he bore me. He was the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we, as it were, we hid our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. It goes on in Isaiah 53, 11. He said, the, the father, he shall see the travail. That's the labor. That's the sorrow. That's the toil. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. That propitiation because the Lord loved us, that acceptable bloody sacrifice, that mercy seat. He satisfied him. Satisfied everything. Knowledge shall be, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. There's no stillborn children from that labor on the cross. It said in Hebrews 12, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, here's what we can do, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, our unbelief, this can't be real, could it? And let us run with patience the race that's set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, didn't we just read about all the sorrow and the travail of his soul? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. When you get a chance, look in Luke 24 and read about those that are walking that seven miles back to a village called Emmaus. And they were real sad, weren't they? And they said, this is it. We thought he's going to sit on a throne. We thought for sure that was him. And he died and he's gone and we don't see him no more. And he said, what manner of communication are these that you have with one another? Why are you sad? What's wrong with you? And they said, you from out of town? Don't you know what's going on? He said, Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. The chief priests, they went and killed him. They crucified him. And we trusted he's going to redeem us. So they didn't understand he just did. <laughs> and they were astonished. So those women went there. They said, that's, that tomb's empty, but we, I ain't taking their word for it. He said, oh, fools, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And he began at Moses and he went through and showed himself, didn't he? And said, you know that, that seed of the woman that she's going to travail and things over? That's me. You know that Passover lamb? That's me. He told him that's the Christ, but that's the Messiah. The brazen serpent, that's him. He's lifted up. The, the, the scarlet lion. That's him. The kinsman redeemer. That's him. And then what happened? They sat down and, they, and he, he blessed the bread and he broke it. He broke the bread. What are we supposed to do when that bread's broken? We remember his body broken. Don't we? we remember him. How you, why do you remember? Because you forgot. <laughs> and he said, do this in remembrance of me. We remember. And he handed it to him, and they realized it was him. And he's gone. And they said one to another, he vanished out of their sight and said one another, did not our hearts burn within us? You know what that's called? Worship. That's called worship. 
did not ever, somebody told me one time, I said, I don't know what you're talking about. That ain't right. I said, well, your heart ain't never burned in you. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you might have had some sorrows or some downtimes, but when that sorrows turned into joy, they were so down and then they heard Christ and they heard Christ preach and they heard Christ preach and then he was revealed to them. Joy. Their hearts burned within them while they walked. And you know what they did? They rose up as soon as they had a work done in them and they ran seven miles back to Jerusalem to what? To the other 11. If he's turned our sorrow into joy, I want to be with somebody because he ain't physically with us like he was with apostles. I want to be with you who he's turned your sorrow into joy too. I'm going to huddle up with you. What'd you leave in Emmaus? I don't care. <laughs> it don't matter. I'm going to go where Lord's people are. It burns in us, don't it? Our hearts are made to burn. We gather together with those whose hearts burn too. One day, that's what happens now. That preaching of Christ and, and, and the travail and the labor that you all go to get up early in the morning and go to work so you can provide for this work here and, and, and do these hard things. You stay up late at night and you've got to get dressed to come to church on Wednesdays and on Sundays and, and you pray and you ask the Lord to be with us and bring a spirit and to call out his people and everything he's promised to do. But we ask him, we inquire of him, don't we? And then he does it. But this is a vapor. It's only a little while, remember that? It's just a little while, it's going to be over. Then what? What about the suffering and joy then? It said in Revelation 21, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow. Neither sorrow, only joy. That's a little while, isn't it? That's just a little while. It might be this evening. Could you imagine if he come now? And we get to see him, be made like him, and you talk about your heart burning any then. We worship him in, in pureness and without sin and as he ought to be worshipped. That's worship. And Lord, haste the day. Come. <laughs> Nevertheless, Lord, come. Come. I pray all of you who suffer, and I know a lot of you do because you're telling me about it. You have, you have sufferings in the body of the mind or the heart or the flesh or the family or something. All of you who suffer for his name's sake, I hope it's turned into joy. For you, unspeakable joy. I know it will be. If you're his, and he, he suffered for you, it will be. I know it. I know it to be true. I pray he does it now. At least give you a foretaste. Doesn't it? Make us see him now. That'd be sweet, wouldn't it? Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for the patience. That unimaginable long-suffering you have towards your people. And the, the, the mercy that makes us both sorrowful and joyful at the same time, Lord. We know the cost for you to be just and to justify them. And how thankful we are. Lord, when the trials come and the, the suffering comes and the sorrows come, make us remember the words of our Lord, our King. And his faithfulness. And forgive us our unbelief and our sin. Carry us Lord. As you promised you will. Till we're made like him. Be with our brethren that aren't here with us. And be with our brethren you haven't made alive yet. Mature us Lord. Raise up men. And raise up women. In this congregation. That you've through sorrows given wisdom. To speak rightly and comfortably and peaceably and make us patient 
to deal with those that are so young and so tender, Lord. Use us for your glory. We thank you, and we ask you these things only because of our Redeemer, his person and his work. Amen.